AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen wolf And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome. You are now listening to The Professional professional homegirls and niggas. It's your girl, Ebony, from the PXG Podcast, the only place where you would hear interviews from women anonymously on stories that would enlighten and expand on taboo topics. Now, if you hear someone that sounds familiar, mind the business that pays you, child. If you like the PXG Podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please, five-star reviews only. Hold me down. Don't hold me up. You can connect with me on Instagram at the Professional Homegirl, at the PXG Podcast, and last but not least at Epine Beauty. If you are all caught up with episodes, listen to bonus episodes by supporting the PXG Podcast Patreon account. To support, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash the PXG Podcast. Now, please keep in mind that all of my guests are anonymous, so let's begin this week's episode. So I'd like to say thank you to my guest for sharing her son's story, Jamarian Robinson, a 26-year-old Black man that was shot 76 times on August 5th, 2016 in a police raid. So to my guest, how are you doing? I'm doing well. And you? I'm good. I'm good. Today is actually my grandmother's birthday. So this oh, is a wow. special happy, day for me. Oh, happy birthday, grandmother. Thank you so much for having me and allowing me to u- utilize your platform. I really appreciate that. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, recently, me and you were talking earlier, you went to the March on Washington. And from some of my friends, I heard that that was very emotional. So how was that experience for you? Uh, I would say because I was, it was emotional. Uh, and really the whole time seemed like I was busy. You know, I was, you know, up there with the rest of the families because we were all, 
you know, up on, you know, the up where the monument is, where you can kind of go upstairs, get on the elevator. And, and all of us families were basically up top. So I was mm-hmm. kind of basically most of us was mixing, ming- mingling, you know, talking with each other, you know, giving each other, you know, our contact information. Uh, and, and every just about everyone I can think of was there. I saw, I saw Sabrina Fulton. I saw Wanda Cooper, who was Amara Aubrey's mom. And Trayvon uh, Martin's mom is Sabrina Fulton. Oh, yes. Trayvon Martin is Sabrina Fulton. Um uh, mother, uh, who else? I, I saw George Ford cousins. I saw Brianna. I met Brianna Taylor's mother, um, mm. so on and so forth. So it, it. I mean, and I saw some old, um, not old. I don't want to call them old, but other uh, mothers that's you know I'm acquainted acquainted with too as well. Uh, Miss Danielle Brown. Uh, her son is Jalen Brown. I don't know if you know her story, but she would be a, another great person to talk to too in reference to. Um, we know what happened to her son, but yeah, but you know, we were just loving on each other, um, you know, things of that nature, you know, just basically loving, you know, chit chatting and loving on each other, you know, because it's like we're all a part, you know, of this unwanted, uh, I always say fraternity or sorority that we did not ask to be a part of. Mm-hmm. How is it to be a part of that though? <laughs> How is it to be? I mean, I, I wouldn't wish this uh anyone. Right. Do I want to be here? No, I do not. You follow what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Did I ever right. think I would be here? No, I did not. Because I always thought, you know, I don't know. To me, you know, I felt like, oh, I'm a middle class, you know, person, you know, my family and I, you know, we all make six figure income salaries, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I just thought that this would never be my I guess destined, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or my my future, basically. But you know, and, and and it's not that I was not, you know, conscious. I was woke. You know, Jamari and I used to talk about police brutality. I, you know, we used to talk about Mike Brown Jr. and mm. uh Philando Castile. And, you know, we just had conversations about it. So like now those pe- those families are friends of mine. Mm. So I know that Jamaria was your firstborn. Correct. How was he as a child? You know what? You know, I always tell people, you know, Jamaria as a child growing up to adulthood, adulthood, I did not have any issues with him. He was a mm-hmm. perfect son. You follow what I'm saying? I mean, every now and then, you know, boys can be boys, but he never got in right. trouble. He never was rebellious, you know, and he loved, you know, and Jamari played football for like, from like, fourth grade to college so that and I, heard, was, I read that he was really good he was excellent he was like when I say Jamar, he was he was he had speed mm-hmm. uh so he had he was he you know he was fast he played running back and um punt kick return uh when he was in college but for the most part you know he was always the running back position like uh in grade school uh but when I say he was great, he was great. But but he, he was determined, you know, like I always say my son had, you know, aspiration and dreams. But I just remember him sometimes coming home uh, after the football games when he was like in college and he was mm-hmm. he would fill the tub up with ice and soak in the ice. And I used to go, oh, my God, I don't know how you do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I, I think they do it for what's so, you know, for the achiness or the, the joints mm-hmm. and pains that you have, you know, just from taking yeah, the, the muscles. Yeah. Just from taking the hits and blows of the game. 
Um, but he was a, you know, he was a great kid. I remember when he was uh, seven years old, he, he my, my mother left like him and my younger uh, nieces and uh, nephews in the house when she ran to the corner store. She left some hot dogs cooking. And so the, the, the water <laughs> boiled out the pot. And so the house got real smoky. So Jamarian picked up the youngest one who was probably like two years old, took him across the street, you know, to the neighbor's house until, you know, my mother got back or what have you, but I mean, he was a, he was a, you know, great kid. You know, I, I could say that about him, you know? And I was reading, um, because the family really loved being around him and you and him were very close. And I read that he took off a year from school to mm-hmm. help you out. Cause you got laid off from your job during that time. Correct. Correct. And that's absolutely correct. So it wasn't like uncommon for him to, you know, miss a semester here or miss a semester there. Uh, but yeah, when I got laid off in uh, during uh, 2011, he set out a uh, school because at that time he was uh, attending Clark Atlanta University. But he did sit out, um, you know, to help me with the bills around the house. And I want to tell you one other incident too, like Jamari and them first game of the suit season when he attended Clark Atlanta University. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he went to Atlanta, Clark Atlanta University between 2008 and 2010. Uh, and then he transferred and uh, he went to Georgia State a semester because he wanted to go there and play football. But he but when he got there, he didn't have like enough credits. You know how when you transfer credits, mm-hmm. they didn't you lose they credits. Did, right. You lose credits. They didn't accept Which is annoying because I hated that. Right. Right. <laughs> so he only he's like, well, since I can't play football there, he transferred and went, you know, to Tuskegee. But at the end, mm-hmm. you know, he was a Tuskegee. You know, at the time of his death, he was a, a Tuskegee student. Uh, but I remember Clark Atlanta University, the first game of the season, the first game he was playing Fort Valley University. And Jamarian uh, was at punt kick return position and Mm -hmm. uh, they kicked the ball off. He called it at the five yard line and he ran it all the way down to a touchdown. And so he made freshman player of the year, you know, that year Mm -hmm. um, at Clark Atlanta University. So I was, you know, I was just excited. I was ecstatic. And I remember I, I, you know, I like never missed none of his games, you know, at mm-hmm. Clark Atlanta University because I was, you know, here in Georgia. But when he went to Tuskegee, I used to travel a lot with my job. So, you know, I was in Seattle, Texas and places like that working. So I did miss. But like my dad, my mom, my sister, them, they kind of went, you know, on my behalf or what have you. But I have driven down there a couple of times to help him, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, the move get situated go pick him up, you know, just little things like that. But, um, you know, he was, you know, he was determined, you know, not, 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 I think, I think back on him growing up, you know, it takes commitment, dedication, mm-hmm. you discipline. know, d- discipline. That's the key mm-hmm. word, discipline. Because imagine playing, play, playing football from like grade school to college and he always would say to me mama I'm gonna make it to the pros and I was like I know you will baby and then he was like when I make it you won't have to work no more I'm gonna take care of you dollar 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 and I was like okay I'm gonna hold you to that you know what I, mean? <laughs> I know right <laughs> <laughs> I'm praying that my first child is a, is a boy I know right 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 <laughs> um so I read also that he may have suffered from schizophrenia 
When did you realize that? Well, actually, uh, I didn't realize it until December of really 2015. Uh, mm. You know, I you know, and I noticed, you know, he was saying little stuff, but I just thought he was, you know, he was acting paranoid, basically. You know, he was just mm-hmm. doing weird stuff. And then, I, then one day I was like, wait a minute, now he's doing stuff too weird. You follow what, what I'm saying? Doing? Like he was like, because I, I, I didn't realize it, but he was like sleeping in the bathroom, sleeping in the closet. Mm. Like he was sleeping in like small spaces. You follow what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I'm like, and I didn't, and I would go knock on the bathroom door. I get up in the morning. I'd be like, okay, it's one not in his bedroom. Where he at? I was like, he in the, the bathroom door would be closed. But an hour would go by. I was like, wait a minute. I go knock on the bathroom door and I'd be like, Jamarian. He'll be like, yeah. You know what I mean? And I just say, oh, maybe he'll be. I was like, what you doing? You know, I, used to be, I would be like, what you doing? <laughs> he'd be like, oh, nothing. But he was really in their sleep. You follow what mm, I'm saying? So he right. was doing things like that, you know. And so that's what made me. And then I think one day, one day when he was kind of like just mumbling and talking to himself. And I think that, and I was telling my cousin, my cousin came over there. You know, he's a pastor. And when he came over there, you know, him and Jamarian just having, you know, talking, da, da, da. It was my cousin who told me that he's like, he got some mental stuff going on. And I was like, you think so? He was mm. like, yes, because he's not completing his sentences. And so he was the one who was able to really pick up on it and catch it. And then I think a couple of, about two days or so later, I end up saying, I just say, hey, get dressed. I'm going to take you to the hospital. You know what I mean? And then he was like, okay. You know, I said this to make sure everything is okay. And so when we got to the hospital, he was like, he just kept saying to me, mama, he kept saying, mama, you could go home. You don't have to stay here. I, I'm okay. He kept just telling me he was okay. You know what I mean? I'm okay. You don't have to worry about me. I'm okay. You know, because I was, you know, we you know how when you go to the hospital, you be sitting waiting for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. But uh, he just kept telling me that he was okay. But that's, you know, and that's, you know, he was diagnosed in December. I think it was around December. The It was the end of December because it was right around the holidays. Um he was diagnosed then uh, of 2015, but you know, he was quiet. He didn't bother anybody. He just kind of stayed to himself. And I think now I used to tell him, even my sister, because one of my sisters is a doctor. Uh, she was like, you know, we started telling him it's nothing to be, you know, because he felt ashamed of or embarrassed about. And then, you know, they would call him and talk to him and make him laugh about, you know, certain things, dollar, dollar, mm-hmm. dollar. But, you know, I, I just wanted him to, you know, don't think you got to hide it or feel embarrassed about it. Cause I don't, you know, it's like, I think he was trying to hide it from me, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I don't know if he knew what it was himself. Cause at first he started telling me, he said, mom, I think this girl put voodoo on me. You know, he was Child. telling me, yeah. He was like, I said, for real, why you think that? He said, because right. you know, cause he, started, he would tell me little weird stuff. And I was mm-hmm. like, why do you say that? He said, cause I remember when I was over her house and I woke up, she was standing over me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I <laughs> oh, said, she was in love. <laughs> right. <laughs> So he was telling me little strange stuff like that, but I didn't think nothing of it. You follow what right. I'm saying? Yeah. So, but one day, you know, when I, I kind of noticed him acting weird and then when I was telling my cousin, you know, like I said, that's a pastor because I used to go to his church and he was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to come over there and hang out with you guys, you know, one day. And so when he came over, you know, I fried us some fish and all of that stuff. But anyway, but yeah, but that's how I actually found out. Um, I'm starting to see a pattern in several cases that there is a lack of knowledge in police when it comes to mental health issues and how to properly deal with it. Why do you think so? Uh, you know, um, I would say, why do I think that is, you know, like how they, I mean, and, and they go through the training, you know, they right. uh, provide them 
with the training. But the thing is, when it when they deal with people that you know suffer from mental illness, are they utilizing their training and the skills that they were taught and mm-hmm. the actions that they're supposed to take? No, they're not. You know, especially when it comes to brown and black people, right. you know, they feel and, and, and people who suffer with that mental illness, you know, nine times out of 10, I'm going to just say really 100 percent of the time, they all always think people are after them, trying to hurt them, trying to kill them. So mm-hmm. they automatically kind of go to defense mode, because when you really hear about a lot of mental illness, people, they be. They'll grab whatever's closer to them. You follow, you follow mm-hmm. what I'm saying? To out the of fear. Out of fear. But mm-hmm. in reality, they just think that people, because even Jamarian thought that, you know what I mean? That somebody eventually, as the as it, I, as it got into 2016, you know, he started telling me, you know, like around April, like people was following him, people after him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. People, you know, people, he feel like somebody's trying to kill him. He started telling me that kind of stuff. And so... Like you say, police go through proper training, but do they care when it comes to, you know, how they deal and interact with brown and black people? No, they do not. Because the first thing they're going to say is, I was in a fear of my life. And they of course. kill us. Uh, and they kill us. Mm-hmm. I, I, a lady on, mess, on on Facebook just sent me a Facebook message a, a couple of get, days ago. And she said to me, Miss Rob, she just said, Miss Robinson, I heard your story, you know, of Jamari Robinson. And she just said, I just send my condolences and prayers to you. And she said, but I, she said, I had a gun. I threatened to shoot the police. She said, I pointed the gun at them. I, uh, I didn't follow their commands. And she said, and I was telling them that I'm going to kill them. But she said, I suffer with the mental illness too. She said, so I was trying to commit suicide by, by police. And she said, they just shot me in my knee. Mm. Yeah. And she said, she was said, she white? I, she's white. Yeah. She said, mm. and then that's what she said. And she said, but I'm white. Mm-hmm. And she said, "Yeah." And she said, "But you I'm have white." It. Yeah, and she, that's what she said. She said, "But I'm white." That's disgusting. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, um, it's a known fact that your son did not have a criminal record. Correct, correct. Uh, my son have always, you know, used to get you know speeding tickets, right? Uh, because he has a motorcycle, always used to, you know. And so my son have, you know, like when I said, and I said, my son, like, well, you know, when you go to. Um, especially like uh, HBCUs, like I know his first semester there, he told me that the classes that he took, it taught them their rights, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How to deal and interact with police and what your rights are. And uh, and so I remember him telling me that because he's, he's always get pulled over for speeding, whether he was in his car or whether he was in his motorcycle. And he would say, police would say, can I search your car? He would be like, no, you can't. No. You didn't, no. Mm-hmm. You know, and then he was like, he knew his right was, you know, he's like, just give my speeding ticket. So I, I mean, just give me my ticket so I can go to class. I'm in a hurry. You follow what I'm saying? But he said they all, and he said, sometimes they would say, please, can I search your car? Please, please, please. I was like, what? And he would tell me they would say that to him. You follow? Mm-hmm. And he would be like, no, just give me my, my speeding ticket so I can go on to class. About my way. Right, go on about my way. But, but you know, like I, like, you know, um, um, in uh, July the 11th of, of 2016, there was, Jamarian did have an episode at my house where um, he poured gasoline, like, in the, in, like, the, actually, it was, like, in my hall area, 
and 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 I had laminate flooring, so the gas just started running basically everywhere from mm. like down down the stairs, like in my bedroom, in my living, you know, in my because when you walk up the stairs, my bedroom was right there to the left, and then my den was right there, you know, next to my bedroom, and then you had the but Lucky was standing in the middle of the hall right there. And when he poured the gas, it just ran everywhere from my to my den into my bedroom. And so they, so I when I woke up to the smell because I could you know when you pour gas when it hits the floor, you, it just like a loud you could just smell it. It was mm-hmm. not, so I woke up on July the 11th to the smell of gas. So I automatically hit nine one one and say I smell gas. Dollar, right. dollar, dollar. And I said, my son is here, you know, along with one of his friends. And I said, but my, and I told him, I said, my, my son suffered, you know, I told him his name. He suffered with a mental illness, dollar, dollar, dollar. But not, so I got up out of the bed and I called Jamari and I didn't hear an answer or anything. And then, so they're trying to utilize that incident, you know, against Jamari to say, oh, that he was a threat. Yeah, well, no, well, no, that's not when they killed him. They killed him in August. Right. They tried to use that to say, oh, he tried to burn your house down. Right. But mm-hmm. but after Jamarian was uh, killed, you know, and I read his mental health, you know, paperwork, some of it, he put that he sleepwalked. You follow what I'm saying? Mm. And so I and, I, and I do know, like, and I still have his motorcycle right now today. I know his gas, you know, his odometer, his gas odometer, don't. It doesn't work on his most. Like I said, but maybe he thought he was at the gas station and he was pumping gas. You follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I will always have to go take him gas. So I was like, you didn't fill up before you went out? Because he would call me and say, Mama, I, I ran out of gas. I'm at such and such, such and <laughs> such. Can you bring me some gas? So we kept a lot of gas containers in the house. And so, mm-hmm. you know, they tried to use that incident against him to mm-hmm. like basically to justify why they killed him. But that right. happened in July, July 2011. But Jamari was actually killed August the 5th, 2016. So on that day, your son was at his girlfriend's house and Correct. 14 officers from at least seven different well, agencies. It was, it was 17 officers. Uh, it was 17 officers that was basically on site. Mm. Uh, and they were from, like you say, different uh, agencies. They were from like Atlanta to Fulton County to Clayton County to Fed County to, U- to East Point. Uh, to U.S. Marshal Services. So I can kind of, do you want me to kind of tell you the details? Um, mm-hmm. Okay, of that day. So on August the 5th. Uh, is it, before you start, is it hard for you to keep telling the details of that day? No, no, because I, I do it a lot. So it's, I'm mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, I'm okay. Because I, I, I mean, I want people to know, you know, not. I want people I like, to know too. I, yeah, and I like to be transparent, you know, uh, and, and just open and honest as possible because I'm giving you like who my son was, who I am. But mm-hmm. at the time of my son's death, he was a you know athlete at Tuskegee University. He was a political science major, uh, and he, as I stated, he was diagnosed with paranoia schizophrenia in December of 2015. But on August the 5th, 2016, Jamarian was visiting you know a friend of his. Uh, he was you know over at her residence, but approximately about 1:30 p.m. 1 p.m. that day, her door was battle ramp open. You know by 
17 role police officer that's what i call them and they didn't have a search warrant to enter the property number one so which makes everything they did illegal mm -hmm. so with that being said so just imagine sitting in the house just watching tv then all of a sudden somebody just bust the door open and all you hear them say from the audio is show me your hands and as soon as they say that as soon as they said that they opened fire on my son over mm. 90 rounds were fired at him. And to be exact, I'm going to say it again, to be exact, 110 shots, 110 rounds was fired at my son. After that, they threw flashbang grenades mm. at him, which landed on him, burning him. After that, someone walked up the stairs, stood over my son and shot down into his body five times. Then after that, they handcuffed my son and drug him down the flight of stairs where they dropped his body in the living room where he laid there really for over eight hours. Um, wow. My son, the shooting lasted three minutes and 22, what is it 22 or 24, really 22, 24 seconds. The shooting lasted just that long. So imagine three minutes and 22 seconds just passing by and you're just constantly shooting at someone that's not a threat. Uh, my son had a total, he received a total of 76 bullet holes to his body. I'm going to say that again. He received a total of 76 bullet holes to his body. My son was shot six times in the palm of his right hand, five times in the palm of his left hand, all down his arms, his torso, his thighs, his groin, his shins, his feet. Mm. And after that, I know that it, this, it, that's a lot. And I'm going to keep going. After that, my mother, my brothers, they all arrived on the scene. And my mother was going, why, why, why would you all do something like this? Why, why? They said, oh, we, look, we were looking for him from a week ago. He pointed mm. a gun at a police officer and took off running. And then the GBI lady showed my mother a photo of the person. It wasn't that they were even him. <laughs> it was not my, my mother said, that's not my grandson. Mm. And my two brothers went, you know, that's not my nephew. My older brother then went, you know, my nephew looked like me. He, he flipped out his phone and showed them a photo of what my son looked like, which was like a current photo of Jamari. And he was sitting outside, you know, with his kufi on, you know. And, mm -hmm. uh, and the photo wasn't no more than about a month old. I, I, I do know that, or a couple of days old. Um, the, the GBI lady asked my brother, could he airdrop her that photo? And he did. They took that same exact photo, dropped it on the news that night and said East Point man had a wow. shootout with police today. So that's the false narrative that they dropped. And so it's like, I've been out here for four years trying to fight that false narrative. But actually, after they, you know, killed my son, I buried him that following week, that Monday, I was sitting in my attorney's office. And so we hired, my family and I hired an investigator, mm -hmm. uh, a, forensic, a forensic expert, as well as a ballistic person. So that's why I know the details. That's why I know like the, the condition of my son's body, uh, how the, the bullets that the, my, my investigator was the one who found the bullets, which indicated where it showed where somebody stood over and shot down to my son's body. Cause remember I told you they handcuffed my son and drug him down the flight stairs. Right. Number one. But at this point you, he was already right. right. Why did they move <laughs> right. his body? You know, why did they mm. move his, they was, they were not supposed to move his body. 
But and, and so when my investigator, you know, went on the scene, you know, went on the scene to try to determine what happened, you know, he said at first he went in the apartment. All you can see is the bullets. They started in tens. They went to the twenties. They went to the thirties. You know, just going all up the wall. They went to the forties, fifty, and he said, "Well, he said he couldn't make sense of, you know, what happened because you just got bullet holes everywhere, just going into the house, you know, up the wall." Did the did the friend survive? Say that again. Did the friend survive? Oh, no one was there. She had just left. She had just left. Mm. Maybe at, she left the house at one fifteen. They bust the door open at one thirty. And then they wow. came back at 4.30 with the search warrant. Wow. And they didn't have on body cams. Well, they had on body cameras. They just turned them off. Mm-hmm. Mm. Which is what they typically do. So, you know, are we separate? That's why I knew they, I, you know, I knew they were going to come with their false narratives. That's mm-hmm. why I knew I had to, you know, I had to come with my A game. Because I, and I was like, and I, I was like, and I know I'm smarter than them. You follow what I'm saying? And so, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm going to read to you, like, some of their statements, like, after they killed my son, because as, as we, as I, as my investigation got further into detail, um, I, you know, we, my attorney brought in, like, a law enforcement expert. He brought in a chiropractor expert, orthopedic expert, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, as well as another forensic expert, but from, you know, from all of the GBI, the investigation of the, um, you know, of the, uh, what is it of the district attorney's office, you know, how they, he took all of that evidence, all of the facts, all of their statements. And he read through everything, you know, he went through every, everything with mm-hmm. the fine, you know, fine. Tooth. He come through it. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, I'm going to read to you like the, what the law enforcement expert report stated. So he tells you who the shooters are. He says shooters involved in Jamarian's murder was Daniel, Timothy Doyle. Remember those names. I'm going to only give you three. Daniel, mm-hmm. Daniel Doyle, Eric Hines and Christopher Hutchins. Because I'm going to come back and tell you some more stuff about them after I read this. From Oh, I got some stuff. Oh, okay. Too, you probably got the same <laughs> yeah. thing. Okay. But mm-hmm. he said, based on, you know, the, 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 the reports, he said none of the employing agencies conducted an independent investigation of their officers as required by internal policy. And then he said, Hines was the one who said he has a gun. No one else saw a gun, even Joshua Manui, who stood right beside Hines. And then it goes on to say, he said, they said, okay, then the officer said, uh, based on, because they wrote their report on August the, the 8th. So they killed my son August the 5th, 2016. So he said, they say they shot, you know, Jamari in the chest. Then he stepped behind the wall. He reappeared. They shot him some more. Then he reappeared again. Then Robinson fired two to three rounds at the officers. No evidence of this was later found. So that was their mm. statement, right? Then he then he said flashbangs was excessive and constituted a constitutional violation to someone who was not offering an identifiable imminent threat of harm to officers. Jamarian was down and not moving when flashbangs were deployed. 
In officer's original incident report written on August 8, 2016, all officers stated that no one never went upstairs. Bullets were recovered that indicated that someone went upstairs and shot down into Jamarian's body. Bullets retrieved were from Hines and Dole's gun. I'm going to stop mm-hmm. right there. Yeah, that's I, I just don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I know you filed a lawsuit against the officers involved in the shooting. So where is that at now? Well, actually, that's uh, the, that's the because you got two sides. You got the criminal side and you have the civil side. Mm-hmm. So the civil side is what you're talking about. The lawsuit that was filed against the officers. Actually, we just completed our depositions. Because the judge who has my case, he's like, why has this case been on my desk for four years? But really, you cannot, you're not supposed to move forward with the civil case prior to the criminal case. Really, the criminal is supposed to happen first, and then you move forward with the civil case. But, you know, but we know the district attorney here in, you know, Fulton County, Atlanta, Georgia, Paul Howard, he's been, you know, just really giving me a bunch of excuses the last four years. But I did meet mm-hmm. with him in February of this year, and he stated where well, we he gave me their plan. But he's given me their plan before several times anyway. But when I met with him in February twenty uh, earlier this year, he stated that okay, we're going to move forward with the grand jury you know, getting these officers indicted and the court date is going to be, I think it was supposed to be March the 24th. Uh, mm-hmm. But when March 24th came, of course, nothing happened because the virus, mm-hmm. you know, was in effect. The, um, the uh, corona, the coronavirus. coronavirus. Yes. I read that the family lost faith in the district attorney. Is that true? Yes. I, you know, cause I, this is how, you know, this is how I feel, you know, like, because we had other incidents, uh, that happened here in Atlanta, uh, that pertain to remember the, um, the college students, uh, yep. incident that happened at the, on, at the George Floyd protest right, on May 29th. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, one of the officers with his name is Willie T. Sauls you know, mm-hmm. that was involved in ta- tasing of the students. The two students. Yeah, he was also involved in my son's murder. He was the one who actually handcuffed my son and drug him down the flight. Well, steps. he has a long rap sheet. And, but actually, too, you know, he killed somebody in 95. 1990, uh, yeah. And I read he killed that too. somebody in 2012. Mm-hmm. And, How is that even possible? <laughs> and he was involved in my son's murder. And, uh, yeah, so that's like four incidents. He killed someone in 95. He killed someone in 2012. He was the one who handcuffed mm-hmm. my son and drug him down the flight of stairs. And he was involved in the tasing of the students. And then another one, remember, I told y'all, remember those names. Daniel Doyle, he had a history of corruption such as armed robbery, false arrests, illegal searches, burglary, and intimidation of individuals. Christopher Hutchinson, mm. or Hutchins, it's Christopher Hutchins. He had a history of DA seeking grand jury indictment for felony murder. Mm. That's crazy. Do you feel like your son's story is getting the attention that he 
he deserves. Well, actually, I feel like it is now, but that's only because I've been very aggressive. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. I, when I say yeah, I've, I've been seen very, you, you've been in these streets. I, girl, I've been in these streets. <laughs> and I, because I was like, 2020 is going to be my year. I am not going another year with this weight on my shoulder. You follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I was like, what? Who wants to, you know, and, and the district attorney, you know, because I, because, you know, I was, I was angry, you know, I, and I really got, after I saw Amara Arbery's death, and then I saw, you know, George Floyd, Rayshard Brooks, all that did was infuriate me more and more. But even before... Jacob Blake. Yeah, Jacob Blake. And, 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 I, and I think all the mothers and the families, you all of us, Taylor. we felt the same way. It just infuriates you more. Because it's like you're seeing your son being killed or your loved one being killed all over again. So right before mm-hmm. Omar Aubrey was killed, I had just dropped my son's body photos on Facebook. I just dropped his graphic photos on Facebook. Mm. And when I did that, I got over 5,000 shares. And I just kept going. Like, the next day, about two days later, I dropped it on TikTok. I got over 80-something thousand views and people was responding to me. And I just kept going aggressively since that point. And it put me in the mix of when Amara Aubrey was killed, you know, when George Floyd was killed, it put me. So when all of the protests and marching and all of that stuff started happening, I just started going out and I was getting, you know, like, cause everybody was out in the street and I was just going, Hey, can I get that mic? And they'll give me the mm-hmm. mic and I'll run it down. What happened to my son? And so I just been mm-hmm. doing that aggressively, you know, since really I started the beginning of May or right round or, or the middle of May when, right before, actually I started a couple of days right before Amara Aubrey got killed when I dropped the photos, you know, the graphic photos of my son's body. Mm. Did you feel like in the beginning you was fighting this alone? Well, you know, yes, because I, you know, like, you know, I had, you know, community support, my family support, that stuff, mm-hmm. but it wasn't enough. You know what I mean? Because really, because I kept saying, why my story, you know, we had been sending um, press releases and all that stuff, you know, to CNN. And I was like, why nobody is not biting this story? And they they right. said, like, they still not biting it here locally because of the politics. I know it's politics mm-hmm. because think, I don't know if you've been really paying attention, like what's going on here in Atlanta. But, you know, all the celebrities, they'll go to other states. They go on to other states to get like, mm-hmm. you know, to fight for those families to get justice not and you know and i've been making it clear you know no we got our own fight right here that's why i've been saying i'm holding everybody accountable and i'm name dropping too you know you got portia mm-hmm. you know williams from atlanta housewives they run into you know louisiana you know fighting for brianna i'm like fight for the children that's here in atlanta georgia we got more than enough faces here in atlanta georgia you know you got my son you got oscar kane you got kane robinson you got Shiley Tilson. You got Jabril Robinson. I mean, I can just go on and on with the names, but nobody, not one celebrity has shared, you know, has shared any those stories. Those stories no, nothing. And they know them. Like, they know our stories. I've seen, you know, uh, one, I'll just say one or two, or they've been in meetings with other people. You know, I've heard that, you know, I because I have, you know, activist friends and stuff that be everywhere, you know, and they said, oh, such and such was in our meeting today when we met with the mayor. I mean, not with the mayor, but with the district attorneys, because, you know, we just had our election. 
and they had all, you know, the two district attorneys that was running for the seat. They were like, we were in there chatting, Jamarian Robinson named the whole time, and it was celebrities in there too. And she said, T.I. was in there, his wife was in there, Portia was in there, you know, all of the, you know, and this was before George, you know, George Floyd and all these incidents happened. So they've been, you know, they've been, you know, uh, out in the community or in these mm-hmm. gathering spots, you know, while the DAs and stuff are uh, running for office because, you know, you know how the district attorneys try to get people say, oh, I want this person to endorse me, back me, uh, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And so they've been out in the community and they, and, and T.I. has heard my son's story like a couple of times. Like he's been at a couple of events while, you know, since the marching and protests. And he's heard me tell my son's story several times. But has he shared my son's story? Or has he said justice for Jamari? Has any of them said justice for Jamari? And trust me, they know these stories. No, they have not. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. I'm in New York. And I was doing my research because a lot of my listeners wanted me to touch on a story or just shed light. Um, a mother's perspective of losing her child to police brutality. Right. And when I was doing my research, I came across your story and I'm like, why is nobody talking about this story? Nobody is talking about it. And I, you know what I said too? Because even think about it, I don't know if y'all remember when the tasing incident happened to the students. You know, I, I don't know if you noticed, like our mayor kept being on CNN. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. The mayor of Atlanta, she was on CNN like several times because she's been trying to get you know, she was trying to get nominated for the vice president chair, but she kept talking about what was going on in other states and the killings that was going on in other states. But not one time did she address any of the killings that's going on in her very own state. And so Keisha Lance Bottoms has had over mm-hmm. 130 killings of brown and black men here in Atlanta, Georgia, since 2015. And I was going through the list the other day, uh, me and my um, me and my team, and we stopped at like a number, of, like number 187. And though, and that was just between the years of like 2014 to kind of present, you know what I mean? But we still mm-hmm. not finished. It's still like a whole list of names that we got to go through. So Atlanta is ranked number 10 with the most fatal police shootings. Mm-hmm. That's facts. You follow what I'm saying? We've had over 130 deaths or killings of brown and black men here in Atlanta, Georgia, and really black men. We've had over 130 killings of black men here in Atlanta, Georgia, since 2015. That's facts. And it's like nobody is talking about it. They won't, When they go on the news, they won't even say my son's name. My son's case is one of the most heinous cases in U.S. history and nobody is talking about it. So that's why I'm pissed off, number one. And so I said, you know what? Since y'all not saying my son's name, since y'all don't, I, so, since y'all, I like y'all don't see me. And because if you Google my son's name, I pop up everywhere. I yes, pop up everywhere. Google my son's name. They have not one time, Keisha Lance Bottoms go on the news, she had not one time said nothing about my son. So you know what I did? I said, so since y'all not going to talk about my son and y'all acting like y'all don't see my son, I'm about to make y'all talk about my son. Every corner they turn now, I got a total of nine murals. My 10th one is going up next week. I got a total of Mm -hmm. 10 murals in the city of Atlanta, Georgia that just went up by my son's anniversary date, August 5th. My son's face is plastered all over the city of Atlanta, Georgia, and they still not talking about my son. 
So you know what we got right now coming up? Now we got billboards that's about to pop up. So y'all gonna have to acknowledge my son because y'all gonna keep seeing his face and y'all gonna keep seeing my face. And that right. goes for everybody. These celebrities, y'all, they should be ashamed of themselves. And the ones that have been helping me, it's only been a hand few. Uh, we got Miss Juicy. You know, I love Miss Juicy. I, I, I love Miss Miss Juicy too. Uh, you got Christian <laughs> yeah. Scott with uh, basketball housewives. No, basketball wise. Basketball wise yes, of Atlanta. You got I mean, of Miami. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You got Josh Powell mm -hmm. NBA. You got Chris Clemens. You know NBA. You know you, we got people. Who else we got here in Atlanta? I think I'm, I just want to make sure I'm not missing anybody that's in my little immediate circle. But I think for the most part, those are it. I know Hill Harper. He started sharing my son's story. But why none of think about it. We got T.I. We got Luda. We got Killer Mike. We got all these Atlanta housewives. They know my son's story. I promise you. But not one of them. Nobody. But if once my son's story go national, they probably going to all come running. Don't come running then. Because mm -hmm. I've been out here five, four years. I've been out here four years. And, and to me, they could have helped me. They could have helped me. They could have used their platform. But you know why they hadn't helped me? Because about politics. They friends mm -hmm. with the mayor. You follow what I'm saying? So they don't want to make her look bad. So you know what we've been doing? The mothers, the family, we making them look bad because it is bad that y'all not addressing these killings. Y'all getting on the news talking about, oh, Chief Erica Shields was so appalled by what happened to George Floyd. No, what's appalling is when Jamarian Robinson case came across her desk and she closed the incident report and found her officers innocent. That's appalling. Mm. I'm not playing with them. I got my foot on all day next and I'm not letting nobody breathe because that's where I'm at right now. I didn't stop doing things their way. I was listening. I was being patient. I was trying to go through the process. But I said, you know what? Y'all acting like y'all gonna see me out here. How? And I got people reaching out to me, like you said, from New York, London, like Africa. People reaching out to me all, like that's still heard about my son's story. And I'm right here in the United States of America. And, 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 and Atlanta's supposed to be what? The black Mecca? Mm -hmm. Nobody has acknowledged my son's case. Nobody. No, when I say literally no one, you know, I, you know, we constantly, you know, in 20, when my son was killed, I, you know, I was constantly trying to get John Lewis to help me over and over mm -hmm. and over and over. And so I'm like, why is he not helping me? You know what I mean? Why, 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 you know, this your district. Why are you not helping me? I, 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 my family and I was reaching out to him. Then Fulton County DA started reaching out to him. He would never return where well, actually when Fulton County DA started talking to him, he he did start telling him in 2018 that he was going to help he was going to assist but he never really followed through on nothing like he because when my son was killed in 2016 I think about a month later uh D White who was Jamarian girlfriend at the time who house he was killed and she said I saw him in my store where I worked at and I told him mm. what happened to Jamari. And so he was like, tell, you know, his family called my office. We called his office about a hundred times. They gave us the same runaround over and over and over and over and over and over. We sent them letters over and over and over. Then the DA started reaching out to him. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to do something. But I look at it like this. You know, he was the gatekeeper. You follow what I'm saying? you like, and then, mm -hmm. and really, to be honest, 
they don't want people to know this story. Why mm-hmm. would it, you think about it? Jamari was shot. 70, you know, he had 76 bullet holes to his body. You follow what I'm saying? They threw flashbang grenades that landed on him, burning him. They walked up the stairs, shot. Why would they don't want that to get out to the masses? But it's gonna get there whether they want it to or not. Because Jamari mm-hmm. Robinson's mother will not be silenced. Facts. Facts. How can we better assist you with this? Well, what do you need from the listeners? Well, a couple of things. Um, you know, I have a, a you know a White House petition. Uh, they mm-hmm. can go I'm going to include that in the show notes. Right, so you can put that can in there. Yeah, I have that one. It's do you? I don't know if you have it. It's petitions. It's petitions with the no, app. I have okay, it. Dot whitehouse.gov. Mm-hmm. You know, sign that for me. I also have another petition. It's the change.org pe- pe- petition. They can sign mm-hmm. that one too as well. <clears throat> also, too, they can uh, contact the Fulton County DA and demand that they charge those officers for, um, you know, Jamarian's murder. Because my thing is, if you're bringing charges on these other officers, I know my son cases more than enough evidence them to charge the I don't want to hear because it's a virus if you move swiftly and charge on these other cases such as the tasing other students you move fast on Rashad Brooks case and 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 and, and I'm and I'm glad he moved you he moved swiftly but move swiftly like that on Jamari and Robinson case he was saying oh he couldn't charge the officers for my son killing because there was no body camera my son body is the body camera you follow what I'm mm. saying? So don't right. don't give me that. I don't even want to hear that. Do what you have to do. Put the jurors in 12 offices. Put them on Zoom meetings. But y'all need to make it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, they can call his office at 404-612-4981 and demand that they charge these officers. Another thing they can do to support, because this is my full-time job now, you know, I've been mm-hmm. out here in the streets. I've been a voice for Jamari Robinson. They can donate to my GoFundMe. No amount is too small. And that's justice mm-hmm. for and that's justice for Jamari. So that's GoFundMe.com forward slash justice for Jamari. Yes, let's make sure we support my please, there, please, please. Uh no amount is too small. They can follow me on all social media outlets at Justice for Jamari. And I do have a website too for if they want to. You know, uh, I'm gonna include that yeah, too. They want more. Information. I got you, mom. Thank I got you. you. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> I got it. you, mom. <laughs> I really um, appreciate before... it. No, I really like when I first heard about your son's story. Like, I'm trying not to cry now because I can't even imagine. Like, I feel your anger and I'm angry too. Like, right, it's, I'm right. so sick of seeing innocent right. black men and women being killed yeah, right. and to be shot 76 and, times. And you like... come with your own, and y'all come with false narratives and y'all expect for us to believe them. We don't right. believe them. And I make that clear. We do not believe them. Mm-hmm. Um, before we leave, we, before we start the uh, conversation, you spoke about your organization that you're working on as well. Right, right. We started an organization in like June of this year called Justice for Georgia. And what we do is assist families that's dealing with civil, you know, injustices, you know, and, and my team, you know, we help the families with, we do a lot of, they help them, you know, they assist them with, you know, creating websites, you know, PSAs, because we're currently doing a PSA now. They help them with protests. Uh, they assist with public relations and social media coverage. So, you know, we they help get signatures for petitions. So basically, it's a house, it's a, 
is where we house all the, the families, you know, and we get, we love on them. We, uh, you know, as I stated, you know, we are, I, you know, how to say it, we you know we are all in this unwanted fraternity and sorority, you know, that we did not ask to be a part of, but being that we're here, we're going to stand as one, we stand in solidarity and we fight as one. So, mm -hmm. so, so that's where we are, you know, we uh, bring all the families together and we fight together. And so, you know, I, cause it's like, it's not, I, it's we, you know? And so, mm -hmm. so we're, we're, that's what we're doing. You know, we're trying to make things happen and uh, we're, you know, we don't want to hear the excuses anymore. And, uh, and, and we, and we're stronger in numbers, as, you know, as families standing together. Mm hmm well, I want to say I'm calling you mom because I just... Oh, that's uh, really fine. <laughs> <laughs> I want to support you. Y'all make sure to click on the links in the show notes. Um, I will be in Atlanta soon, so I'm definitely oh, going to Oh, definitely, yeah, because we would love to have Take you. Take you out to dinner, yes. Yeah, we would definitely love to have you here and, you know, bring you in, meet my team. Uh, and I have a, my mm -hmm. Justice for Georgia uh, team. They go out to... Uh, the park every single day with all of our families' posters. They give out flyers. They go out every single day, Monday through Sunday, really, uh, for a couple of hours a day. And they be out there shouting justice for Georgia, you know, and justice for all the victims here. So they're at, at a protest now. There was another uh, protest here in Atlanta that they were taking all our kids' posters to. So they, be, when I say they be, they be, they're on it, they're on it. Mm-hmm. Well, if y'all have any questions, comments, or concerns, if you want to reach out to her, please make sure to email me at hello at the phdpodcast.com and I will send you her way. And make sure y'all support, please, because this is important to us. This could have been your son. This could have been your daughter. This could have been your cousin. This could have been anybody. We've got to show support to Ma. And make sure y'all donate to her GoFundMe page. And until next time, thank you, Ma. Uh, thank you so much. And I look forward to probably maybe in a few more months let's let's do this again because i'm sure i have an update for you or or even yes, when yeah because yes, I, I do have more stuff but i have to hold it for right now mm -hmm. okay Absolutely. yeah hopefully we can do it in person i come to atlanta and come see you okay and support you all right then i thank you so much for allowing me to utilize your platform i love you and let me know i love when, you too Ma. let me know when you in the a i will all right love. i will until next time everyone Later. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.